1: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au
0: Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode is uh, without question, I think, this state's finest soccer export or for the next hour, let's call it what it is. Let's refer to it as football. A flamboyant winger uh, who was known for his change of pace that frightened the hell out of the defenders in front of him. He had a thumping left foot. Uh, his highlights real. Uh, is pretty spectacular. He was part of a golden generation of Australian footballers uh, who made it all the way to the bright lights of the Premier League. He spent 11 years playing in England and was capped 60 times for his country, of course, the Socceroos. My guest is Stan lazaretti Stan, how are you?
1: Yeah, good, Tim. Thanks for having me on. You going well? Yeah, all good, all good. Different different now I'm on the other side of the fence, actually. So now that I'm talking to you, I kind of... Um forget that I ever was a footballer. (laughs) And um, yeah, and it's it's good. I kind of um, go back to the memories and relive the moments, I guess. But um, yeah, look, things are different. And it was a chapter in my life I really loved. And um, upon reflection, yeah, you wish you had it again, but um, you're glad you had it.
2: Absolutely. Mm. Well, not many can say they have had it. Mm. Yeah. What's your involvement with football now? Are you just purely a
1: a fan
2: or have you got something more meaty than that?
1: Oh, look, I'm I, mainly a fan. Um, there was, you know, I, it didn't really develop for me over in Perth in particular, but uh, not to say it, it won't. Um, and Tony Sage was, was pretty good at Perth Glory and we just didn't really find the, the right opening for me at the time. But um, I was doing a lot of work for the FFA at the time in Sydney and uh, flying back uh, there to and fro. But then obviously COVID came in and um, it kind of changed the dynamics a little bit. Mm. So um, look, big fan. Obviously support Perth Glory and uh, the Socceroos and the Matildas for that matter and and football in general in Australia. You know, you, you know, having played, you just want the game to do well and
2: yeah, and succeed. Absolutely. Well, certainly at your time uh, when you were playing, it was a it was a pretty awesome time to be a uh, an Australian footballer and a fan of Australian football, which yeah. we'll get into it yeah, in more absolutely. detail. But let's go right back to the beginning. Tell us where you grew up in Perth.
1: Okay, yeah. So um grew up in Belga, actually, uh, yeah. going back. Uh, Mum and dad emigrated from northern Greece and uh, originally moved to Mount Hawthorne and then uh, financially couldn't uh, sustain that and moved out to Belga and basically brought us up there. And, um, yeah, things were a little bit different in those days. And, um, you know, at the age of seven, um, I went to my brother's uh, soccer training practice or football and they were short a player, and you know he was ten years old at the time. So I filled in, and and everyone was looking at me, going, "He's actually pretty good." And <laughs> so it, you had some
2: skills by then. Yeah, oh, look, it was just raw. I
1: mean, I did. I just loved playing the game, and yeah. And then at the age of seven, I they asked me to join the team. So I was playing like three years above my my age, and and it just went from there. And um, I was never really playing in my age group, and and things just went on, and it really just propelled from about the age of 9 or 10 and uh, making the state team at 12 and 13 and uh, eventually then playing for Kingsway Olympic at the age of 15, which in those days never really happened because we had a really, really tough, strong league here. Mm. Um, but there was no exposure to the rest of Australia, let yep. alone the rest of the world.
2: Yeah, um, Where did the love of football come from? Was it obviously Greek heritage? You yeah. know, it's it's. I mean, it's the second religion, isn't it? In <laughs> in, in Greece, isn't it? But it, was yeah. it from your mum and dad? Did they? Because um, you know, you weren't sort of bombarded with hours and hours of football to watch on TV yeah. back in those days. It had to come from you know, sort of yeah. direct human contact, didn't
1: it? It did, and and I think from especially my father, um, uh, it was European. The game, you know, football was a European game, and so uh, that came over here. And we were getting like I remember on the ABC it was uh, the, the the highlights reel, and yeah, an hour a week, an hour a week, yeah. you know. that And it was like Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs. Uh, they were generally the club, Man United. That that was showing. And my dad was a big Liverpool fan, and so I became a Liverpool fan. And you know, particularly in the eighties, you had that uh, generation of uh, um, football. That football team in general. And so I guess that was kind of the love affair um, of that and um, love watching John Barnes and he was a left-sided player and um, kind of trying to emulate my game on him and Ryan Giggs and Maradona. So there are a few names there. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky Maradona. I play, yeah, played against all those three. So You it, played against Diego. Yeah, show me age, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... Um, but to yeah, and um so that was that was um I never thought that would happen, Tim, to be honest. I didn't really <laughs> think my career would happen in general, if I'm being honest. But uh it um it kinda went from there and I know I didn't realise I was any good, if I'm being honest. I I just realised I had this change of pace. Um I guess I was exciting to watch on reflection and put bums on seats and I was a left side player. It was different. Yeah. And, and I think that's why um, I think England took a chance on me, uh, which you'll probably get on later on, um, in bringing me over there because I, I was just different to what was out there. And in England, you know, you've got 15-, 16-year-old kids that are coming out of council estates that are just ruthless and um, that's their way out. It's a ticket way out. So, you know, a lot of those players were kind of the midfielders and the defenders and the rightful backs. And so they had a, many, many of those players. It was always harder if you're a midfielder or that type of player, particularly from Australia, to go over there and oust one of those players. You just mm. had to have that edge and, uh, you know, Mark Viduka, or Harry Kuhl and Mark Schwartzer. And, we, and the names can keep going, but these guys all had some sort of individuality um, and that's why they, they succeeded.
2: Yeah. Um, you got your break in the NSL with, uh, as it was at the time uh, before, uh, we uh, revamped the league here into the A-League, but uh, NSL days when yeah. we still had, you know, it, clubs had very strong ethnic roots. Um, you ended up at the West Adelaide Hellas. Yeah. Um, is is that largely because of your Greek heritage? Um, well, yeah, there was, it,
1: in those days, it was a connection. So from Western Australia, it was almost like we were isolated. We were. We, mm. we, we might as well have been our own country. Um, and um, so... To try and get a trial over there, I originally got a trial with Preston, Macedonia, and Heidelberg. Yep. So you're like this one. I get to Heidelberg, and I'm walking across the field, and the guy goes to me, one of the uh, scouts goes, oh, mate, I don't like your shorts or your boots. I go, mate, you're not playing for us. What are you kidding? I go, can you watch me? He goes, no, I'm not. So that was the session. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, so I actually uh, I thought, you're kidding me? I don't like my boots. I was like... <laughs> Oh I mean, you know, Dad got me the boots. I mean, it was added ass with a fourth stripe, so I yeah. don't know what that brand was.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, money was tight in those days, and um, so they went into Preston, and and they it was John Gardner that was the manager, and they had a good side: John Mikoski, Warren Spink, um, some of these sort of guys you might know. Yep. And um, they they liked me. They I trialed out there for four or five days, and they said, "Look, you know, we can we'd like to sign you, but we can only offer you." I was on a, basically $100 a week and it was barely enough for me to live there. I said, oh, look, I just need a bit more so I can rent. And they weren't prepared to do it. And and then from there, they got a call from West Adelaide and they they were forming a new team, Jose Riardi, uh, Gimenez, Greg Brown, Robbie Hooker. We had it. was a big pool of players. And so then Raul Blanco, who was the the, the coach at the time, goes, well, just bring this kid over and just let him have one game Mm. on his flight back. That one game. So that was and your trial, basically. That was it. Yeah. And at the time, Raoul goes, oh, I'm not sure about this kid, but might as well give him a game. And Robbie Hooker was on the bench at this time, and he, and we ended up being really good mates, best mates, actually. And um, he remembered telling me the story. So um, before I went out there to run the field, Raoul goes to me, look, we've booked your flight after the game. You're getting on the 7 o'clock flight. So 5 o'clock you finish, you're, you're straight out. I said, oh, okay, Raoul, well, maybe take me off half an hour before, so I can make the flight. So it went like that. And anyway, in the first half, uh, we we're playing and, um, I just take on the whole team and score a goal and, um, and the crowd are absolutely loving me. And, and I'm now giving it some to the crowd going, yes, I love you. And uh, I want to be here. <laughs> and I love this club and this at the other. And, and then Raul turns to Robbie and goes, get this kid off. He's, he's cancel his flight. He's not going anywhere. He's, he's staying here. <laughs> and, um, so I, I get taken off after about an hour and, waving to the fans, like, goodbye. And it wasn't like, yeah. yeah. And so you thought that was it? Audition was over? It. Yeah, audition over, you know. And uh, Raul comes in the dress. goes, kid, uh, Stanley, I, I love you. I love you. Uh, you you're you the best. You're the best. I've gone, oh, right. I, I said, Raul, I go, what about the flight? And he goes, uh, no, no, you're not flying out. You're staying here. <laughs> I go, all oh, right, okay. And um, anyway, and that's kind of how I got signed up. And that's brilliant. And had a good couple of years under Raul. He was like a mentor, a father figure for me. Uh a lot of respect for him because, um, he was tough, he was so so tough. He was, um, the old school kind of regime and um, training in the morning. There was efficacy. there was, um, I mean, he'd find you. I mean, I remember he'd find me each week, and it got to a point after a month. I said, Ralph, I'm struggling to live because you're finding me
2: so much. <laughs> <I> <laughs> what, would you right. what would he find you for? Oh,
1: it'd be like, um, I remember him one time, we went away playing Heidelberg and we won. And I had an extra plate of food because I was hungry. And he goes, Stanley, you're wearing out the carpet. You can't eat so much. You're going to end up like me. I said, but Raoul, I'm really hungry. He goes, no, you can only eat one plate of food. I said, oh, okay. And he goes, I'm finding you're 50. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I I realized that every other (laughs) player has got this mountain of food. I just went with a flat plate and um, (laughs) popped it. But no, he was – but looking back, it was like he was prepping me um, and – And it's what they say, you know. You get prepped, so you you know it's coming. And particularly when I went went over to England, it put me in good stead.
2: Yeah. Uh, And from from there to one of the big clubs uh, of England, particularly of London in in West Ham. Um, at what point did you start to realistically think that that was on your horizon? You know, because it is it's a big step from from West Adelaide to West Ham, right? Yeah.
1: When did when did you think?
2: Well, maybe I'm good enough for that level.
1: Yeah. Good. I mean, it's a great question. I mean. Look, we didn't, in those days, um, there wasn't Asia. Asia wasn't the, the route as yeah. it is now. So predominantly a lot of our boys now go, well, and the girls, whatever, they go now to the Asian areas because it's easier. They get paid quite well. Um, and it's probably a good stepping stone to get to Europe. Mm. But for us, for that kind of era of footballers, um, and for me in particular, there's only other two other players that in the EPL at that time. And that was Mark Bosnich and Robbie Slater, I think from memory. And so for me to go there, Harry Redknapp took a, took a risk on me. And he goes, look, I like your kid. I really like you. You remind me of Steve Highway, a Liverpool winger. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he really just took a, a, basically a punt and he likes to have a punt, but he, he backs footballers. He's got a good eye for a football. footballer. He backs footballers and and, um, he really liked me. We got on really, really well. It was great. And um, when I got to to England and started in, in these trial matches, and uh, the crowd just took a a big liking to me. Mm. And um, and they love wingers in England, particularly left sided player
2: who'd who'd love to take on a defender and just, <laughs> just, and just a charge guy. at them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know this, Tim. I was just running out there, going, <laughs> "Oh, yeah, all right. Just give me the ball. Let me." And I know. And I guess at that time I wasn't really. Um, it, when I was looking at the opponents, it could be Arsenal, Lee Dixon, uh, Ray Parler and Lindbergh and Beckham and Giggs and Scholes. And, and I, I you know, when I think about it, I mean, guys, I, I mean, I, I just was thinking, uh, you know, I'm good. I feel well. I'm going to take these guys on. And I didn't really give it much. thought. I just thought, then it's another football, another player, another player. And it, it took a good year, I think, until I realized that I belonged here. Yeah you know, because I got roughed up a bit um, in that first kind of three mm. months, even by my own team um, mates that kind of um, hardened me up. Um, so, um, yeah, it was a big introduction, but mm. it, it was, you know, it was definitely the steps to, to yep. kind of paving away.
2: Just before we uh, go to a break, yep. and, and I know we're sort of um, jumping a little bit back in time, but I love the story about how you actually ended up in West Ham. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> as I understand it, you were playing at West Adelaide then for the West Adelaide Hellers. Yes. Um, West Ham was doing a, a, an in-between season uh, promotional tour, if you can call it that, yep. uh, through Australia. Um, West Ham played West Adelaide, and you were obviously playing for West Adelaide there. Harry Redknapp, as you mentioned, yep. you know one of the real characters of, of English coaching in, in the modern time, isn't he? Um, saw something in you and <laughs> thought, let's bring this kid over.
1: Yeah, yeah. I
2: yeah. mean, talk us through that.
1: So, yeah, yeah almost right there, Timmy. The game was um in Perth, and right. it was a West Australian select. It was a Western Australian best of – and it was players like uh, Bobby Despotoski and yep. uh, the Naven brothers, some good football – good West Australian local products, excellent footballers. And the, we, there was a, it was at the wacker and it was a good show. It was a good turnout. The public supported. Anyway, I got picked up. The rest of it is good. Went over to England. He goes, kid – you're coming over for five days. I want you over there. Get on the plane. I said, oh, I'll go see the Queen, maybe. I'll go see, uh, you, know, the, you know, those red letter, the red boxes and the, you know, all yeah, these sort of. All the touristy the, things. Yeah, all the touristy things. Double-decker so, bus. Yeah, the double-decker yeah. bus. So I thought, oh, why not? I'll go. I love George Michael. Yeah, all right, go see George. Anyway, so I get over there and then Harry's um, put me in three trial matches and um, I got introduced to introduce the player. So I get on the first trial match and. Playing, uh, I think it was Exeter or whatever it was, and go out there and I'm playing really well and score a goal and go up to the crowd and it's and at that time they announced who the score was. They said, "All right, number um, eleven, Stan Brown." So <laughs> I was thinking, "Who's Stan Brown?" You know, and I uh, go, the crowd, "You beauty, come on, you know, Aussie, you know." Yeah. And um, anyway, I thought, oh, "I'm typo, whatever." So I go in the next game and uh, I can't remember who it was from memory, but. Uh, score again. I mean, Harry obviously didn't want me to score goals. and Then it was number 11, Stan Allen. Stan Allen. So it was all these different names and I turned to John Marcus and I go, who are these guys? And he goes, it's all right, kid, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, just keep scoring, (laughs) keep playing well. And uh, then we're playing, um, it was Sheffield Wednesday um, um, no, it was Peterborough at, um, at, at Peterborough's ground and David Pleat from Sheffield Wednesday was there watching me uh, because they said, oh, this kid's on trial and, you know, come and have a look at him. Anyway, I was having a game. It was I was just taking players on three times at the same time. Yeah. And Harry was like, oh, get him off. Just get him off. We got. I just got to quickly sign him up. And I remember as I was coming off, I thought, that's it. Trial over. I'm going home. And so the, the West Ham supporters, they didn't know my name, so they... They will going, Skip, hey, Skip, hey. <laughs> And that's how it, it came. The Skippy kind of nickname came from there and yeah. went off. And David Pleat's in the crowd and he goes, oh, I really love you, really love you. You know, he just signed for Wednesday. At that time it was like uh, Waddle and yeah. Decanios and those sort of guys. And – um Harry didn't like that, and Harry came in, he goes, what are you doing, what are you playing at, you know? He goes, I brought you here, kid, and he goes, well, I don't know, Harry, I don't know what you're doing. Are you signing? He goes, of course I'm signing, I'm signing you tonight. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, it went well, like You that. can't even say my name right, are going to score a goal. <laughs> I, and anyway, I got locked up in, I'm oh, not locked up, but I got kind of put into a hotel. Um, I remember Les Silly, the late Les Silly was like, um, he looked after me and he, he stayed in the room, I couldn't leave, I got rushed to the ground the next day or signed whatever it was near enough just to get an opportunity. And, um, and I really thank I'm so grateful for Harry Redknapp. I mean, I've got so much respect and time for him because he gave me my break, you mm-hmm. know, and he eventually sold me, uh, uh, in saying that, but, um, you know, that, that never happened Tim. Mm-hmm. You know, it never happened that mm-hmm. a manager like a Harry Redknapp, an EPL manager yep. would take a chance on a, on a West Australian player from Balga. um, and it was what dreams are made of. So. Absolutely,
2: yeah, yeah, it that's is. It's, of... <laughs> it's the football dream, isn't yeah. it? Let's take a break. Uh, Stan Lazaridis is our special guest in this episode of Inspiring Stories. We'll be back with more of his story right after this. You're
0: listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. <laughs>
2: Did well there to get his body in front of Peacock. Lomas. This is Stan Lazaridis. Oh, it's a brilliant effort from Lazaridis! Something out of nothing. Now uh, the West Ham United fans, as stunned as anybody inside St James's Park. It's only Stan Lazaridis' second goal of the season. Never struck a shot better than this. What is it? Thirty plus yards, and Sheik Given had no chance at all. The Newcastle
0: goalkeeper left groping at thin
2: air. What an absolute screamer that was! I mean, the audio kind of does it justice, but you got to see it. Stan, was that the sweetest <laughs> shot you've
1: ever hit? It oh, was it was an absolute yeah. belter. Oh yeah, no, it felt good. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been uh, practicing and training actually because um, Harry wanted me to attack from deep and. Um and he was always encouraging me, please just keep shooting, take shots. Um and at this particular time I had Alan Shearer charging me down. I had no one in front of me, so I had no one to pass to. And um yeah, I was just just seen Shag him slightly off his line and must have been a wind blowing behind me. But uh, <laughs> it just felt good and um yeah, I was it was we really needed a win and I remember I was telling you off air before uh, I was looking for the fans because I went in front of me, they're right behind me in the back left. <laughs> And I just turned around and and I and I was just so happy. It was one of those games. We ended up winning one 0 It was a goal that won the game. And mm. and Harry was so chuffed. I remember afterwards, and he goes, "Kid, you can have the whole week off. <laughs> <laughs> just turn up the next game and um, plays." And it really um was a big win for us. That when and got us on a on, on yeah. a bit of a run. And that's what. That's what happens over in England. You need a game like that. You need a goal like that. You need those confidence kind of boosters to get the the run going. And we ended up having a pretty good season. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a special goal.
2: If you can put it into words, what, mm. what is that feeling like though when you when you score a goal like yeah. that and you've got fans who are just losing their minds? Yeah. Well, I mean, and you've done this, and you're on, you know. The biggest stage in in football. I mean, what is that like? Well, uh, I I think
1: for a minute you you numb. You've used that word for me before, but to, uh, you don't realise it's quite happening. And um, it's one of those that the moments like that that cha- can change your, they change your life. They change your life. They change your direction.
2: Yeah.
1: It's reassurance. It you know it uh, reinforces that you actually belong here. You're good enough. Yeah. Um, and it's things like that. You go home that night. I don't I think I slept that night. I was reliving the moment. Um, I wanted to make my mum and dad proud, um, Western Australia proud, um, give people, um, hope mm. that, um, that someone like me can come out of, um, a small town, <laughs> really in a sense mm. and, and have moments like this and, and do this. And, and I guess that's that happened, you know, because there were many other players that came after that and um, and have succeeded. So, I guess if you can sum all that up, uh, I guess that's how it felt.
2: Pretty magical, yeah, yeah. Um, your West Ham days—you you would have played with some phenomenal players there. Yeah, um, I mean, Paulo Dybanyo um, being being one of them that you've uh, you've mentioned, and yeah, um, you know, Harry, one of the great coaches, and and West Ham, one of the um, the big clubs of London. You know, really <laughs> strong. East End, you know, mm. very working class origins, great stadium, famous stadium in, Up in Upton in Park. Park. Yeah. I mean, if you can re- reflect on that that time, mm. living in a country where they just yeah. live and breathe at every waking moment, there's just people always bantering about yeah. about football. When you're immersed in that, mm. what's that like?
1: Yeah, you summarized that well, actually. It's, it is a working man's club. Um, and so um, the fans, football was their outlet. And whatever the money they earned, they left it at the club near enough. Uh, but one thing West Ham was, was a strong, had a strong, strong academy. And so players like Rio Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole, Michael Carrick, Jermaine Defoe. I'm just naming five. There's, yep. pr- there's probably one or two others I've missed. Um, Even Beckham had his start Beckham was West there, Ham, late yeah. Noreen, I think he is late. But um, so unfortunately at that time, West Ham were a selling club. Man United did the same thing with Giggs and Beckham and Scholes and Button and Neville brothers. And unfortunately, West Ham weren't able to keep those players together. Ended up selling Rio for 18 million and Frank for 11. And, and so that group of players, had we been able to keep that team together, definitely would have pushed into Europe. Um, and so you mentioned Paolo Ducani, an amazing, amazing player. I mean, he lived near me. So it was like um, this guy's dedication and his passion for football was at another level and, that guy was just a footballing brain on the field. Kitson, Hartson up front. Um, you'd know and from his Arsenal days. Mm. And so um, it was a, a, a great team. It was a really, really good team. But unfortunately, that team uh, was broken up because within two years, basically 14, 15 players were sold and the club reaped the rewards. But then we're unable to replicate, I, I guess, for a while mm. um, the talent again because it just doesn't come in that wave. Uh, yeah. As you've seen with Man United, they were able just to keep their players and, and ended up winning titles.
2: Yeah. Um, moving on to Birmingham City Yeah, uh, after uh, West Ham sold you, uh, was, was that a bittersweet moment for you getting um, Yeah. sold? It was because I didn't want to leave.
1: Um, and I remember Harry had called me in. He goes, kid, I love you, but I've got to sell you. <laughs> <And laughs> just like that. Just like that. And I said, but Harry, I love it here. I love you. He goes, and he was eating a bacon and egg sandwich. He goes, kid, I'm and his <laughs> egg was, was dripping down. <laughs> and he goes, I'm selling you. He goes, you know, I bought you for 300000 And this is what I didn't get. You know, I was bought for a million dollars, which was – was, I think it was the first million dollar transfer to Maybe – I forgot my stats right. Uh, and then Mark Vaduka was after me. I was the first million dollar player, basically. And that's huge for West Ham to do that. And then I was sold for like 6 or $7 million. So if you look at that from a business point of view... It's a pretty good return. It, it yeah. is great. You know, buy low, sell high. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and I remember the fans kind of didn't want me to go. And they knew that I didn't want to go. um, And, but I needed to go, I think, for the club and for myself. And I found an unbelievable club in Birmingham City and ended up there for nearly eight seasons, I think it was. And so... Um, I played some of the, my best football at Birmingham, um, some wonderful, wonderful moments. And it's probably where I played my best, best football consistently year upon year. Yeah. And so it, it in the, it, in hindsight, it was probably the right thing. I didn't know at the time. I didn't know how it worked. I just thought you go to one club and you stay there. Yep. Um, and I remember going back playing against West Ham at Birmingham, winning two nil, um, setting both goals up, getting taken. Steve Bruce took me off with about a minute to go and I got a standing of ocean by the whole crowd. Uh, West Ham fans, so they acknowledge that. It doesn't really happen. So um, both great clubs. I was very lucky to play for those two clubs. And um, there are moments I could have gone to other clubs, but um, those two teams are certainly,
2: mm.
1: uh, you know, so grateful for.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I read with interest um, uh, an article uh, from about five years ago where you mm. talked about a, a time when you could have ended up uh, at Arsenal, who mm. were at that point were, you know, right at the peak of their powers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what, special, special I mean, team would have been as an Arsenal fan, seeing in Australia, <laughs> yes. wearing the Arsenal shirt would have been yeah you know, amazing. But uh, was it wasn't to be. But how close were you to it was, yeah, it that?
1: yeah? It was close. Yeah, it was close. At that time, Arsenal had a policy they were signing players under the age of twenty four. Yeah, and they were building this invincibles, as you would probably know. Um, and Mark Overmars was signed there on the left, and they needed a backup player, and and they wanted to spend I think one and a half million pound at the time. And, um, I think West Ham were holding out for a bit more and Pat Rice, uh, was a big, um, fan of me. And so was Arsene Wenger and, um, it would have been a good time for me to have made that move, but I just didn't know how it worked. I didn't know agents, how they worked in those days. And so it just didn't, didn't materialize at that time. And so, um, and of course, Arsenal went on and won <laughs> two premierships, uh, FA Cups and under that regime of Burkamp and, um. Uh, Thierry Henry and Petit and Vier and yep. De- I mean, yeah, the pl- list fast. goes on and on. Mm. Um, but that, look, that's fine. You know, you say the grass is green on the other side of the fence. How do I know if I went there? It was, you know, you just don't know how it's going to go. But what I can say is um, the time I had at West Ham was brilliant. And the time I had at Birmingham was in- incredible. You know, I know if I went back to Birmingham at St. Andrews, I know I'd get a standing ovation yeah. tomorrow from, Thirty-five thousand people. I was, you know, I really was going well. to ask
2: that when you when you do go back there. Yeah, I'm not sure how often, how often yeah. you do, but when you do go back there, yeah. I mean, do you are you just walking around the streets high-fiving people?
1: <laughs> I, look, it's a, it's um it's one of those that I think what I love in England in particular is their passion for football. Is when you're born, wherever you are from, that's your team mm. to the day you die. You could be Division Three, Four. It doesn't matter it's almost imprinted on your shoulder or wherever it is you're tattooed on and they remember their footballers from when they they get there to when they leave. they're They not silly they re- mm. and they remember everything and it's, and it's um i can remember um when i went back i went back in 2012 11 or 12 and um it was the team of the century and i was in that starting team with, voted by the fans and so i went back to for this Sell out two or three thousand people sold out, and I remember this uh, elderly gentleman coming up to me. He was in his eighties, and he goes, "Stanley, thank you for coming. If I die tomorrow, you've made my night. He goes, You're my favourite <laughs> player, and you were the one I'd come to watch the games with. Thank you from you know for making my dream come true." And I'm like, You're "Wow, kidding me?" I go, "You're the guys that made me. You know is and so." I guess it's moments like that, that mean everything to me, you know, because forget about the money, forget about it. It's the impact you have on people, um, and how much it means to them. Yeah. You know? And so I remember sitting in the pouring rain signing autographs and I would never leave. I would be buying cups of teas for some of the, um, elderly people. And it was just those little things. And, um, you know, I kind of embraced this, my car cleaner actually, <laughs> who was just a loyal, loyal fan that would just do anything for me. I said, Mikey, you know, just, he goes, and even, even if I didn't want a car cleaner, I said, just do it, it's fine, you know. And I remember on my last uh, game where I was uh, leaving the club, coming back home, he, remember him hugging me and him saying, thank you for making a nobody feel like a somebody. Oh, Wow. And, and it's, I'll never forget that, yeah. you know? And I was like, I was crying. He was crying. And I, <laughs> and I said to him, I said, you were the, you guys are the somebody. I was the nobody. You made me a somebody. And yeah. I know it's probably taking us away from football, but this is what it means, you know? And when I try and tell the younger players that are coming out of here, it's things like that that change people's lives, that um, you can have an impact. Um, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to make money. You're going to have a good life. Um. Just sacrifice. Give everything. Give everything to your cause because it will be rewarded. And it's moments like that that, yeah, I take to the grave with me.
2: Yeah, beautiful memories. Mm. Um, and no wonder that you were so loved uh, by the fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for for acts like that. Because let's yeah. be honest, not all footballers. Yeah. Do stick around in the rain and sign autographs. they so, you know yeah. they're off to. You know, go, driving the Bentleys, go, yeah, <laughs> off off to the tanning salon or something. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> let not oh, get yeah. started on no, that. No, that's all right. It's different. Of course, on the field though, mm. you know, some of your exploits on the field also endeared you to fans. And just before we go to a break, um, we'll just play uh, another clip that uh, um, captured another one of your magical highlight reel goals. This is uh, Birmingham v Everton. <laughs> There you go another magic moment. Did
1: that take you back? <laughs> Too kind. Um I oh, yeah I remember that. Uh, um I love playing at St Andrews. Um I really did it particularly on that left side um facing the um the owners actually the owners um and they really liked me. The owners were really really good. Um Yeah, I remember Clint Morrison afterwards he was trying to make me dance and I can't <laughs> dance like Clint Morrison, I tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, don't I don't have um good dancing feet. But um I look great memories, and I think it's um, it's moments like that um, that are special. Um, there's another. There's there are many more moments to me. I can keep yeah. going, but yeah, I remember playing Liverpool at St Andrews, and um, we were up against it, and um, we ended up winning two nil. Uh, I was man of the match, set up both goals, and I was in the ninety third minute. That was like the last thirty seconds of the game. Ball's going out for a corner. And I was, took all the set pieces near enough. And so going to the the cop end of St Andrews and I can remember, I never forget this. And i just picked up the ball, walking to the corner flag, and um there was this sea of blue basically just bowing to me, going, Stan Lee, there's only one Stanley. I never forget. and I just looked up and I said to myself, and I f- never forget this. Just don't forget it because this is what it's all about, you know? Um Yes, we, we ended up winning the 2 you know, All the accolades came after that. But it's the those sort of special times that you have changed people's, um, made them really happy. You know? mm, um, ecstatic. ecstatic. <laughs> and it's, yeah. So there was games like that. And, you know, the, it's a games of highs and lows. Yeah. And you really got to enjoy your highs, you yeah. know. And I always say to any athlete, you know, you've got to get through it. You've got to go through those lows because the highs are worth it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And look, not to uh, burst the bubble, Stan, but we're going yeah. <laughs> to explore the a couple of the lows <laughs> right <laughs> after we take a break. Uh, probably the, the, the worst yeah. of them, of course, uh, in the green and gold. Yeah. Uh, the disappointment uh, ahead of the 1998 uh, yeah. World Cup for the Socceroos. We'll get into that right after we take a break. Stan Lazaridis is our special guest. Back with more right after this.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Stan Lazaridis, a uh, legend of Australian football, who played his trade uh, in England for 11 years. He was also capped uh, 60 times uh, for the Socceroos. Uh, I'm sure there were some amazing times in there, Stan, mm. and uh, you played with, you know, like I said, a golden generation um, of Australian footballers. But um, let's go to. Perhaps one of the yeah. career lowlights for you. I had to do that to you. No, that's okay. After so we've just, you know, hit the gone, gone back <laughs> to some of the magical moments. Uh, 1997. So, mm. Australia looking to qualify for the 1998 World Cup in France. It would have been our first World Cup since 1974. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, you know, breaking a hoodoo, everything riding on it, yada, 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 you know, yeah. set the stage. MCG, 100,000 people. You're two 0 up against Iran. Oh, Seventeen minutes to go. Semi- it's it's right there. Brutal. And then the unthinkable happens. What, what are your yeah. memories of that? As you reflect on it now, all oh, these years later.
1: Just, um, I've never seen the game since. Actually, um, you can't watch it. I can't watch it. It's too painful. It really is painful. And just, I'll just take a step back because Terry Venables came in at that time, and he and he got us all together. And in those days, there was no groups. Right, you just had to get through the games. I think we ended up playing 14 matches, won 12 drew two, and we didn't make the World Cup. Mm. Right now, you'd be qualified after four games, five games. Yeah. So just to show you the, 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 where we had to go through, plus play Iran away from home in front of 150,000 people in Tehran, only male uh, fans there. They had their rules. We had the emergence of Harry Kuehl. He was phenomenal and end up scoring for us. We got a great result away from home, one all. Mm-hmm. All to play for back at MCG. Sold out MCG. Probably could have sold it out two two times over. It, the stage was set. We was all and we were we were ready. You know, we were, we were ready. The 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 group was good. It was so good, um, and we were on fire. You know, I was having a game of my life. I had so much energy. I was. You know, we should have been five 0 up. To me, you know, it, it's when I just thinking about it that the, Viduka the missed a hatful. Really, Vindberg missed a, a hatful. Yes, they scored a couple, but um, and then we had that interlude in that second half there for that idiot that ran on the field that just kind of just I don't know. It, it just stopped play and stopped the momentum and stopped everything. And. It took about 15 minutes, I think, um, to re to get us back on again. And then it was just like a a, a whammy, like bang, bang, these two goals come out of nowhere. And the realization was we needed to score cause you weigh goal rule. Mm. And, uh, we, we, we huffed and puffed and it just, it just was, the minutes were drying up and, um, and it was just the thought that we're not there cause it, you know, the champagne was almost popped, you know? Um, and then, obviously, when the whistle went, it was just so sad because I know how much we needed this. I know how much the game needed it. I know how much financially we needed it. We didn't have all the the Fox Sports and the big sponsors and the you know all these millions thrown at us. Um, we were like the third or fourth tier um, game behind the AFL and the cricket and the rugby, and and so it was devastating, heartfelt. I mean, I was in tears. With you before mm. we're talking about this, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Tim. But and it, and it still makes me sad. I still, um, if I could go back and change one thing, it would be that for in, the, in
2: your whole career. Yeah, for yep. that,
1: just for the people and yep. for
2: the game. Yep.
1: Not for not for anything. And in, and you know what? In France, we would have we would have done well. We would have been that team that would have got to a quarterfinals. We would yeah. have been that dark horse. Spot yeah. on. We would have been. The, everyone picks a team. How could it not be? You got Kill, Viduca, Ocon, Zelich, Musket, Craig Moores, Vidmars, there's myself. There was you know, the team was just littered. Robbie Slater, Bosnich. I mean it yeah. was un- you know, when I think back, it was a team you wish you had.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, that you could play for. And and then we went to the Confeds Cup and played Brazil in the final. I mean I, you know, it's uh uh, we were really good, Timmy. We were mm. really, really good, and we didn't realise how good we were. Um, a, a lot of the, a lot of the supporters came out in generally in those times to watch the opposing side, a um, country. Um, but we, we, when we look back, I guess we probably needed that load to emerge that new yeah. generation of footballers, and they did. And you know, we did. We had some great players coming through with the Vince Guerrillas and Brescianos and Emertons and, and you know, Timmy Cahill. Harry Kill went on and had a really good career. So I guess we needed that. And then we ended up making the World Cup then in 2006, yeah. you know. Um, but to go through South America um, and play against Uruguay's and Argentina's... Was brutal, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's... And how that worked for us uh, from countries that have won the World Cup Yeah, um, was
2: tough. Steb, you might want to block your ears because I don't I want know. to trigger oh, no. some sort of oh, PTSD no. reaction no, from me. Right. <laughs> oh, we're just no. going to take gonna it play? I know you haven't been able to watch it oh. but we're just going to hear uh, the final seconds of that oh. heartbreaking draw okay. in 1997 before we crack on okay the referee looking at his watch again the match over. is over heartbreak for Australian soccer they have been beaten here at the MC Socceroos, the saddest of moments. The saddest of moments. I think oh. we, can, we can probably leave it there, can't we? Oh. Um, just talking Sad. on the international stage, you know, mm. playing for Australia, you would have played against some phenomenal players, some, you know, some superstars. You mentioned Maradona at the start, for instance. Yeah. But also some really brutal games. I mean, playing oh. again through the South, South American qualifying area, I mean, you know, yeah. you talk about football being... Religion. Mm. Sorry, I can see how emotional you are. Oh has so, got sorry me, that, mate. Timmy, you're killing, me. <laughs> killing me. Oh, S- some of the stuff that goes on on the on the field that the cameras might not pick up. Uh, yeah, can, can you shine a light on that?
1: Well, um, yeah. Look, I think you got away with a lot more in those days because now <laughs> there's some cameras everywhere, isn't there? Yeah, you know, there's cameras there. There's um, more stats now. You know, people got something on their shoulder and their toe on this and that. It shows how much your calf switching. Shows how much. Sprints you've done. I mean, it's so analytical now. So uh, obviously, playing against certain countries, particular, and not discriminating anyone for this matter, but um, generally, South Americans was <laughs> they'd let you know that that you're in for a game. Diego yeah. S- Simeone, I remember playing his Argentina, just punched me in the ribs one time, proper, uh, winded me, and then said a few cho- choice words when I was on the floor. <laughs> um, got away with it. Uh, No problem. But, you know, um, ended up being a pretty tough manager now, a great manager for Atletico Madrid. Yeah, there are moments – Martin Keon, actually, one of your uh, guys would love to step on your toes in a corner. Animal. Absolute animal. Um, So, yeah, these are just things to get you off your game. I remember Roy Keane in the dressing room one time. um, We're lining up at Old Trafford – and those days you had to go into the exact minute onto the ground. So we're in the tunnel and we're in there, I think about a couple of minutes, probably two minutes, but two minutes a long time in the tunnel next to a player that's only 10 centimetres away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're looking at players like, you know, Andy Cole, Yorkie, Cantona, Giggs, Beckham, Scholes, I mean, goes on. Roy Keane turns his body, he's facing me and I never look at a player. And this day I looked at it. I turned left and looked at him, and he goes, "Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy," and I, and then he goes, "You're dead, you're dead, you hear me? You're dead." You know, sorry about the <laughs> I, Irish uh, accent. And I looked at him, and I go, "He's mean. He looks really mean." <laughs> and I said, "Roy, I love you. Roy, you're my favourite Man United player. I love you, Roy Keane." <laughs> and he was kind of half laughing, and Rio, Rio Ferdinand was with them at the time because he, I remember playing. I uh, was with Rio at. Um, We're saying, no, Roy, he's going to make you laugh. You know, it's all right. And sure (laughs) enough, first tackle, he comes through me and he goes, you know, then pointing to me. And it's all that intimidation. It's all that that goes on. And Roy Ken was a fantastic player. Um, And um, it's all of those things to upset your game to just get you off. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they ended up winning that game 3-1, I think.
2: <laughs> so They were formidable. They were yeah. pretty awesome in Old Trafford. Give yeah. them their dues. Absolutely. Um, can we talk about uh, moving back from England uh, yeah. back to Australia uh, to play for Perth Glory? How mm-hmm. hard was it leaving um, uh, England, which had been such a great move for you?
1: Yeah, tough, really tough. Um, so my, my time at Birmingham came up. My contract was up um and it was time for me to go. And I remember the owner um, wanted to say goodbye to me, basically. And so um, he came up to me and he goes, Stanley, you know, I want to thank you for being at this club. And and then I turned to the owners at that time and said, um, and you, in those days you called them chairman because they were yep. chairman. So yep. I was chairman. It was both the, David Ralph Gold, David Sullivan, and Karen Brady was the uh, managing director. And I turned to the chairmen and I said, look, I just want to thank you for employing me at, this, at your club. You're my family a good life. And um I just want to thank you for playing at this wonderful club. And and the chairman, Dave Solomon, goes, Stan, you're a true gent. Um call me Dave. He goes, Um, it's the first ever time anyone's thanked me for employing them. Then he wrote it in one of his newspapers the next yeah, day. Right. Um and he said to me, He goes, Stan, you know, there's clubs that really want you for another year. And I said, No, it's just time for me to go home. I think uh, I need to be around my father and uh, he wasn't well at the time. And it was just time for me to, to go home. And yes. I just thought it'd be great to come back to Perth. I had an opportunity to go to Sydney and play at Sydney FC and I think it was Melbourne Victory as well. But um, I, th- I think I needed to give something back to West Australia, and Perth in particular. And my time probably wasn't great when I came back, although I, I really – it just um, – and then I got a drug ban in between that.
2: yeah. Which I was going to ask you about uh, in our which next part of that chat, which was a bizarre <laughs> yeah. of moment in your career, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: it was um, – I couldn't believe how That came yeah. – anyway, that came about. Um, and then it kind of – it was just time for me to – I guess that kind of brought the curtain down. It probably wasn't the way I wanted to leave. Um, and I just feel – I guess if there's one thing, I'd like to try and give something back to Perth Glory and help them in some sort of way going forward in something – I don't know when mm. it'll happen but it will at some point. Um but um we're okay but it, at that time Tony Sage just came in to buy the club. Um Perth was in a bit of a, a mess at that time financially and and fair play to Tony Sage he came in and um you know really funded the club for a re, re, you know he's still funding the club I guess. Um and um we had a a reasonable first season and then the the drug ban came. Yeah. Um and I you know I basically, I suffer from an um, an alopecia issue, which um, I was forced to take medication basically for a good ten years, um, just to keep keep things at bay. And um,
2: happened to be on a band list.
1: Happened to be on a list, but it wasn't. Is on it the because ba-
2: it's a steroid based well,
1: treatment or no? Not at all. No, no not at all. It's. Um, Obviously, the steroids didn't <laughs> there were no steroids do not anything. The, not the it. sort of steroids that yeah. would help you anyway. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't. But we're under a different system. We're under the WADA system. So in, if you're in England or yeah. Europe, you're fine because it was under FIFA. Oh, so, so you not on the, it over there. Yeah. So I guess it never really um, um, uh, kind of got onto it. But I just assumed, oh, just take – you've got to take a milligram a day or a little bit of that. And I said, I oh, didn't think anything of it. It, it wasn't performance. It, they say – If taken in huge, huge quantities, it may mask. It may. But you can test through it. Yeah. And the testing costs money. So for me, um, I'd always tell my doctor, say, right, this is what I'm taking, boom, boom, boom. At this time, um, the Asada came in and they said, right, we need to test you. I wasn't wasn't even um, at the club. I was actually down south. And I said, you know what? I'm driving back. I'll just pop in. So... Um they said, Oh, you don't have to you don't have to. You can come in Monday. I said, No, no, I'll pop in you know, no problem. So I popped in. They said, Oh, Stan, um, yeah, we're, do, we're testing for this and I said, Yeah, no worries, yeah. Taking anything, No, nah, nothing. Um and I said, I actually I do. I, I don't know if you know, but I do take something there and he goes, Oh, we're not testing for that, but we'll write it down. So they weren't even testing for it. <laughs>
2: so I it was like Your own honesty has brought you on. Yeah, no, it has. Yeah. And I shot myself in the
1: foot, but it wasn't that, I just do anything. It wasn't a drug. It, I've never. I don't take. I'm so anti-drugs anyway, which is the irony, because my friends, <laughs> son, they take drugs. But <laughs> so to <it'll> be. <laughs> I won't go there moves. with that one. I won't <laughs> go with that one. But uh, I'm like never taking a drug in my life. Um, I'm totally against illicit drugs, full stop. Um, and then a couple of months later, I, I kind of get a letter through and saying, and then I get a heads up that I'm going to get banned. I said, for what? And um, I said, holy moly, what's, how how this is, I mean, it was embarrassing because I didn't want anyone to know I've got a condition. And then who knows what, what the public must be thinking that he's on, I don't know, cocaine or mm. performance enhancing. And there's none of this three-strike policy, like, mm. I mean, the AFL do it pretty good. I think they give you a chance to redeem yourself or whatever, but... Well, I mean, I wasn't redeeming myself, and you know the irony is they gave me a license to take it. Mm. So I'm getting banned for something that I had been prescribed to have.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. And then I remember going over there. I had to go to Sydney because I had to fight it because otherwise, if you're deemed guilty, so it cost me my contract. It cost me. Spot, it cost me a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, in the tune of probably a good half a million dollars, and I'm in Sydney in front of the judge and they're all going, we're still this. you know, and the judge is going, we got to find a way to get this guy off. I mean, this is not right. I mean, how we, and anyway, to be honest, it was the, the prosecutor and all that saying, we've got to change the legislation and they did, straight after that. they did. They yeah. changed it. But in, in a, <laughs> but they it took your
2: unfortunate yeah, predicament to trigger that.
1: So, so yeah, I got banned for three months. It was three months. In, in the end, it wasn't a lot, but it was enough because the season was short mm. and it, I kind of left, people thinking, I didn't want people thinking, oh, he's been, he's taking drugs. He must've taken it in England. He must've done this, must've done But I had that many drug tests in my life. Mm. Um, so I guess it was the embarrassment, I guess. Uh,
2: I think Tim, that sort of but, a stain on your, on your career and, and yeah.
1: that I, but you know, and it's going to be in the book. You can Google it and mm. uh, drug ban and, um, yeah, how embarrassing, hey, mm. but, um, I'm not, I'm over it now because, um, and you know, the, I, I don't even take the tablets anymore. I'm all right. I <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it. It's just in, because it was stress induced. I was so stressed, and yeah. there would be times that, yeah, you know, I remember sitting at home and a chunk of hair would just fill in the corner. It was just horrible. Yeah. Um. And 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 we didn't have the medic the the, the, the tech, you know the, the science and the medications now. Yeah. Um. Back then, you know. Um.
2: You almost would have. <sighs> Yeah, felt like you wanted to take a Will Smith response to Chris Rock when, <laughs> <Alopecia> came. Oh, <laughs> same condition. Oh, <no>, unbelievable! But <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. I'm I'm all right with it.
1: You know, I I think Tim. I think I have this view that things happen for a reason. They just happen. Yeah, I don't have any animosity or any. It, it, it didn't happen. I feel I owe Perth glory though. You know, uh, the yep. fans in particular. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, mm. because I wanted to come back and and you know I was. You know, I came from Perth. You know, I didn't want to go to Sydney. I didn't want to – I was very loyal to the, to the where I was, you know. So yeah. you never know. Yeah. Still time.
2: time. And they probably need a bit of help at the moment, oh. let's be honest. Uh, let's take a break. Stan yep. Lazaridis is our special guest. We'll be back with more after this.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
2: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest in this episode is uh, West Ham, Birmingham City, Roos legend Stan Lazaridis. Stan, life after football, how yeah. was the transition for you? I mean, it was, a, as you said, a bit of an unceremonious sort of end to your time at, yeah. at, at the glory for all sorts of reasons that you've, you just mm. outlined. But uh, life after football, what's yeah. that been like? Yeah, look tough initially
1: transitioning because you're so used to waking up at a certain time, play, you know, going to train. And so it's, sad, you know, it's very sad for a lot of footballers and athletes in general because your, your career is limited. Mm. You know, you can't play till you're 65, 70, you, you, you know, your retirement age, if, you, if at best is 35, you know, I was 36, 37. So I had a really good career. Um, and so I had to get it in my head, right, that chapter is closed. Now, I'm either going to stay in the game or I'm going to move to something else. My family was always into property and I happened to buy, buy a bunch of properties while I was away. And I just came back to in that. In Perth? In Perth. Yep. And, um, yeah, I, I was, got involved in the developing and a bit, bit of this and a bit of that and ended up buying some things where I, where I own um, certain properties where I have tenants and I'm more managed properties now and that's kind of my field at the moment and it's, I'm really busy, Timmy. It's really, really busy, busy. And you get to see another side of um, life now. Um, and I forget I was a footballer. And that's <laughs>
2: that's weird. Because apart I, from this last hour.
1: <laughs> yeah, apart from the I'll be watching something and I say, oh, he's all right, actually. He's a, and it's me. Yeah. And I, oh, is that me? And, and so, you know, it's weird. It's so weird. Um, and I had these chats with Clint Wilden or... Whatever whatever whoever it may be and and I reminisce um and I do miss it, I do miss those days, um but I'm also a realist and i and I understand that um it's time for somebody else um and I had my time
2: I'm sensing though there's still a little <laughs> bit of a fire in you though to do something more hands on um with the game though you haven't yeah. quite figured out or maybe it hasn't quite been the time yeah for you to do it, but I just get the sense that there's there's still something left for you to do. Yeah, look,
1: I think so. Um, I think throwing that COVID time as well, I think kind of um, to those couple of years kind of um, obviously stopped the world, I guess. Um, but look, I'd like to. Um, I guess my experiences in particular, particularly in Perth, I, mean, I don't think anyone else, apart from maybe Sean Murphy, that's um, that had a really good career in, in England as well. Um, and Sam Kerr is phenomenal at the moment. Um, so... I guess you know. I just feel that I need to do something for for the people, and particularly when my friends now ringing up and saying they all got sons and daughters and, and that that are saying, "Come on, Lazza! Come on, Lazar, We need you back in it." Please, my son, my son would. And look, I I know the game inside out. I know players. I know what I know what people are thinking. I know what a coach is really saying. Um, even though they gloss it up with different (laughs) words, Tim, you know, and, you know, and when someone's getting subbed off or subbed on and you just, you just know. Yeah. And I guess a lot of the fans won't know that. And um, I I guess, I guess that's probably where I'd be good at. Um, But in saying that, yeah, who knows? The the books open. you never know. But um, I'm very grateful for the game and what it allowed me to do. Um, But I had to sacrifice everything for it. Yeah. And... But worth it. Oh, yeah. I mean, when when we talk about certain things like that and um, making people happy, putting bums on seats and, um, you know, looking back later in life, um, a kid out of Belga um, on a
2: one and two million shot, I guess. Mm. Um,
1: Yeah, it is worth it.
2: Yeah. And you look like you're still... Pretty fit. It has oh, that, that trademark running. turn of pace. Have you still got it? Uh, I called it my turbo <laughs> speed. I'm not sure if the turbo's there anymore, but um,
1: I um, I still run. I still run uh, three times a week, um, and um, you know, eat, try and eat right, right. You know, I'm drinking a little bit more than I <laughs> these days. But yeah, look, I enjoy a, a little scotch or a glass of red. You know, um, but um, but I guess you're a creature of habit, right? So. Um, someone like me, if I haven't gone for a run, if I haven't done anything, it, it's telling me, hey, come on, you've got to do something. It's it's just second nature, I guess. Um, and I remember, you know, what we used to eat, everything was kind of detailed for us and the carbohydrates and and all that sort of thing. Obviously, now I've learned that you don't have as many carbs.
2: And you don't <laughs> yeah. go back for that second plate.
1: Uh, That's <laughs> a good as, one. As yeah. rail drilled down. into you. <laughs> yeah, no second plates anymore, but... Um, <laughs> But, look, it's great, and it's been great talking with you, Timmy, because I didn't realise um, how passionate you are about football. I just thought you're the Hollywooder on TV and the, the slick back Clark <laughs> we'll, Kent we'll lookalike cut, Clark we'll Kent Superman. <laughs> um, but um, And so it's it's kind of great when I'm speaking to somebody that um, actually really gets what I'm saying. And you've lived in England. You get to feel when you walk in the streets how much it means to people, um, when they win or lose, it makes their weeks. It makes their lives. Some people just live for that. Mm. And I loved my time in England, and I'm so grateful for England, the Queen, and the whole, whole hierarchy for allowing me in that country. Because I wouldn't have had um, that life without them.
2: Just lastly, uh, Socceroos have, you know, got a massive mm. mountain to climb to qualify for the yeah. uh, for the upcoming. World Cup. Uh, just quickly, your thoughts on on where the Socceroos are at at the moment? It's a tough time. Um, I feel we're going to beat uh, UAE. I'm very
1: confident there. Um, although it won't be easy, but I, I feel we, we will beat them. Peru is going to be a, t- a tough one, a real, real tough one. They play a real good brand of football. I'm um, it, it, sitting on the fence. I, I, I'd like to say we're going to win, um, but that that that's going to be a match. So that's tricky, very tricky, really yep. tough, and we just. Got to be
2: there supporting. It's like the days of old, isn't it? Having to conquer a South American team to right. get there. That's right.
1: That's right. A yeah. Uruguay or an Argentina, and yeah, yeah. Mm. Who 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 give it all? They give it all. Mm. Although Maradona invited us back to his nightclub, and I will, I can't tell you off oh, air you can't how good that now. was.
2: Tell me now.
1: <laughs> I don't know if we've got any time left, heavy. We? <laughs> we'll make time. <laughs> no, I, I, we we lost. Um, obviously, Argentina and Maradona. I think hit the hit the winner in uh, with the deflection and. And he's come in to say it was a great game and we're all sad. And But we, I, I think in that time we are expecting to kind of, it was always a tall order to beat Argentina with yeah. Batastuda and Balbo and Maradona and whatnot and Simone. Um, he goes, right, I want you to come to my nightclub afterwards to celebrate. So all And I said, all of us? You know, all right. So at that time it was me and Kevin Musket with the young guys. So we get to his club and, of course, it's 100 metres long to get in. So we go up to the two bouncers that were like two big, guys about seven foot tall and five foot wide, you know, and i yeah. go, okay, oh, uh, excuse me, um, Australian soccer team, stand, <laughs> Kevin, Nike, he goes, yes, Ma- Diego, Maradona, yeah, oh, really, oh, great, okay, right, guys, we're in, and so, wow. yeah, he had arranged it true to his word, and so we get in there, he's got a little section for us, so we go to the, the Bar there to order some drinks and we just keep it. I said, it 16 beers or 17 beers or whatever. <laughs> and the guy, and I said, All right. And the guy goes, Um, and we had the whip And those days, everyone put in money, a whip like yeah. uh, I mean, that's the little cash cow. And um, he goes, No charge, it's on Diego. I said, Make it 36 of them. <laughs> Go on, right, right, he's on us he's good for it. He's good yeah. for it. And then he's come in, and um, all the music's gone off, the spotlight's on Diego, and he's doing his favorite. Jig on the floor to two great dancers with like two Hollywooders next to him. Yeah. Um. A, I don't know, a blonde from Argentina and a blonde from Brazil. I think from memory. And um. And sure enough, he um. He's, he's allowed to pla- each of us, two or three of us at a time to say hello to him. Um. And he was just his figure, and he had a presence about him. Yeah. You know, on and off the field. Yeah. But yeah, that was a good. We got to his nightclub, mate. I can tell you that, and mate. that was that was a good
2: night too. And a a great memory to finish on, Stan. (laughs) Thanks, Tim. We'll just let the mind wander (laughs) and imagine what else might have happened that night. Uh, It probably happened every night at Diego's nightclub, let's be honest. (laughs) Uh, Stan, it's been uh, entertaining hearing all of your stories. And congratulations uh, belatedly uh, on a magnificent career. And uh, and good luck with everything going forward, whether it's in property or back in football or whatever it may be. Thanks again for your time. Thanks, Tim. I actually enjoyed it. Good stuff. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. we we'll look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story.
0: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.